Okay, well, let's get started in prayer, and then we'll just get right into the message. Uh, today will be a very interesting and hopefully a very enlightening day for us as a church as we talk through something I think is not talked about enough, and, and it's perfect for today. So God, we love you. We thank you. God, thank you that you have made us a part of your household, that uh, your love and your, your affections are towards us, God, that uh, you see us as your children. We thank you for everything that you do in our life, God, even the things we don't see. Help us recognize them and give you glory and honor with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, I just titled this message because it's, I think we, it's so important to reinforce this in the church. And, uh, you know, and it's just this idea, what we just celebrated up here is the idea, the value, the importance of a household, a family. And I know that kind of a lot of us will be like, yeah, we, we get it. Family's good. Family's important, right? It, the, we kind of hear all the cliche kind of terms about family. But, you know, when I look at the landscape of family, and I think the family structure is a tremendous amount of pressure. The family structure today especially, it, it, and you read the biblical family structure, which I'm going to teach through a little bit today, and this God ordaining this special, uh, I would say, unit of people uh, to really establish ultimately uh, his church and even how he refers to the household of, of is the church being a household. I think God is very, very into family and strengthening the family. You know, and I tell you, it, it, it's not easy being, uh, uh, if I speak from a parental perspective, being a parent, right? It's not easy. It's very hard work. It's very rewarding. But I think a household exists even without children, right? In a relationship, in a, in, in a marriage, you are a household. If you may, not, you may not relate to everything I'm saying in here, exactly where you're at of what you've experienced, but you've either come from a household or you will eventually be in a household and maybe even having children one day. So I, I don't write this message to exclude anyone, but I think it's so valuable to talk about the family and the structure of the family and the value of the family through God's eyes. The number one thing I get asked in this church is this. Um, it's not, first of all, like, hey, what's the, your theology on X, Y, and Z? Or even, like, why can you only grow that chin strap beard, you know? So, which is a very difficult question to answer, but this is how my beard grows, in case anybody wondered. Um, but it's really, it's about the name. Why do you call the church Soundhouse? And it, it's kind of interesting because I didn't foresee that when we, when we named the church. But I will just explain a piece of the name of Soundhouse. And house was a very big deal. And house is something we want to, our name of our church to really reflect what we care about. And that's about this church being a home that really, really instills and establish and disciples the people of the church. And so we want to be a place that really people walk out and go, my values, if I didn't have them then, I have them now. Uh, my actions are determined by the foundations that were placed here in the household, in the home. And so Soundhouse was a perfect name for us to make sure that we are continually looking to grow and, and, and send out believers as ambassadors who reflect the kingdom of God. 
And I think for home, as being like how you think of Soundhouse, and church can be a home, for better or worse, when we look at the church. Not everything is perfect here. Not every person is perfect. I surely am not perfect, and our elders are not perfect. But I will say this, is that our commitment is to the household, to make sure we are strengthening and growing the home that God has made for us here through the church. And we learn a lot from our homes, right? But we have to look at this, is that God created the family. This is my first thought um, of three. God created the family. This was his design. This was his structure. He put it into place. He made it. Even in the language of the Trinity, of the triune God, you, in this relationship we see that's not completely definable, but definitely you can see the workings of the Trinity and even some of the actions, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we feel household. Even when God describes the, 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 the church or his people, it's a household. Even when God says heaven, essentially, there's a home. It's big enough for everyone. It's a home. It's a household. God is really about the household. You know, when I think about Genesis 1.28, this is where we first see the establishment of the household. We see it right here very clearly. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Begin to be a household and build a household. There's something about this relationship dynamic, this household, everything that you experience and feel from your home that God very much wanted humanity to experience themselves to be a home. And all that comes with it, because remember, everything God created in these days were good. And so this home was good. The establishment of what a household would be is good. So in God's eyes, this is perfect. And everything that comes with it, all the blessings that come with a household, they're from God. All the relational joy you can feel in a household, all of the fulfillment you can feel from your household is from God. He gave us the capacity to experience that. You're not numb to what's going on in your household. You feel. You experience it. And I think it's the greatest gift God could have given us to experience, to feel like we belong to a home. He gave us a spouse. Whether you like it or not, or them or not, he gave us a spouse, right? A partner, a friend, a lover, a confidant. He gave us a spouse, someone we can be with and co-labor with in the household, right? And he gave us the awareness, the ability to interpret all of the things that are happening and feel about those. I find that quite special that God did that for us and everything that comes with it. Now, I will say that, yes, sometimes your spouse is a mystery to you, a head-scratcher, right? Sometimes you're like, I don't get it, or you. Like, where are you from? <laughs> like, you know, I totally understand that. I think this is why we see texts like this. I found these great text threads between husbands and wives, and this is a husband to a wife on Black Friday when she said she was going shopping. He said, Black Friday sale, our house, all clothes 100% off. I thought... That is great. You know, they can be sometimes annoying and um, not understand. Here's a wife to a husband when she's going grocery shopping. She says, uh, I have to buy groceries. How much can I spend at the supermarket? Keep it 100%. 
Uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorry, huh? Sorry, uh, uh, keep it to 100. That's not how you use 100. Sorry, I'm not hip.、Uh, no,、uh, how much was your doctor's bill? 100. I hate you. Okay, so this is a general <laughs> conversation between spouses, and I will say this that sometimes we've even maybe prayed, like, dear God. Please perform a miracle, almost the impossible. Can you completely change my spouse? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Sometimes, you know, like, yes, there are things that come with your spouse that make it unique and make life full and having this partner in your life, but it doesn't mean that you haven't figured them out, that you have figured them out completely. And then there's the children. And if it's to be in a home, and sometimes it's not, some choose not to have children, but For children in the household, it's, it's this unconditional love that you experience as a parent. I was really trying to think of it like, where else, how else could, do I experience it and the capacity that you do a child? And there are levels of that, I do agree, but something happens inside of, of, of a parent when they look at this child, right? And even through all of the journey of that child's life, it still will remain the same love nonstop. There's no condition on the love there. There's something special about that, that we learn from that. Like, we see our likeness in them, good, bad, or ugly. We see, like, oh man. And you might even have said this oh my gosh, I sound like my mom, or oh, I'm just like my dad, right? We, it's this imprinting that happens, this likeness.、Uh, parents are providers, right? And it's this unbreakable bond with a child and a parent that we get to experience. And I would say that we get to train this child up. What a gift that we have in the family, in the household, right? All those feelings and what God, how God has enlarged our hearts for children, and maybe even our children especially, like it's a gift. He's given you the capacity to do that. Something triggers in the makeup of who we are, how He designed us, that our hearts are enlarging for our children for all of their days, right? But yes, sometimes as a parent, I get it. You may pray, dear God, why have I sinned? <laughs> But probably, P.S. God, thank you for wine. That's a wonderful gift. I think of it like, you know, it's not always easy. And you as parents know、um, that it's not always easy. And our parents who are entering into raising some of their children for the first time. Will know that it's not always easy, but God gives you something that you didn't have before. Am I right, parents? Is that true? It's crazy how it works. These relationships, though, I believe are, are, are work, but they're worth it. Man, they're worth it. The household working towards establishing the household and the structure of the household and keeping the household intact and in tune with God. Is worth it. And there are ups and downs for sure, always in a household. And we can't have these unrealistic expectations, you know. Young couples, when they maybe have their first fight, they'll be like, well, it's over. Matt, we're not meant to be together. It's like, what? You're going to have to get some resilience there. You're going to have to get stronger. Or if your child does something, you think, I'm a horrible mom. It's like, calm down. It's, it's not you, it's, it's definitely them, or maybe a little you, but you can work on that, right? Yeah, so, There are things that you can do, but, that, but I would think that God gave them to us as these are gifts, right? I would say that these are treasures. 
this, these relationships we have. And I would say that they're ultimately, they're miracles that we as humans get to experience that is unique to us. The second thing I want to talk about, so first we talk about God created the household. He ordered and he established it, so it's important to pay attention to that. This isn't some frivolous thing. Why did he do this from the very beginning? Why is it so important? Why is the language of heaven about households? Why is almost every relational example Jesus used about relationships of a household? Why? It's a big deal. So let's talk about the family unit really quick. Um, Let's talk about when, and I'm going to use this phrase, my children, because I think we're seeing God use this language with us. It might help us in a little way to understand how we should view our children. I've seen, unfortunately, some parents who maybe don't (laughs) show the love and value and appreciation for their children But then we'll go, God, thank you that you love me as your child. Graciously, with like favor and mercy. And I just think I can call myself your child. But these little rugrats over here, you know, like we have to remember, we have to continually put ourselves back, get the right perspective is that we are basking in the relationship we have with God and how he is as a loving father. And so therefore it should inform us what that is doing for us and how we feel as parents should then also remind us that that's how I want to be towards my child to the best of my ability. God says we are his children. So let's talk about children. Even how God, I think, ultimately decides to call us his children shows us a child's value and how important they are. I read this uh, quote, but it's, it, it was just interesting that children are one-third of our population and all of our future, and I think that's a good perspective. They're a small part of our population, but they are every bit of the future. They're worth investing in, just like these parents did today. There is a great passage. It's in Matthew 18. And I'll, read, I'll give you some context after I read the passage, but it's one of the times that Jesus is interacting Uh, with children, but he's also speaking of children. And listen to the value and appreciation for children here. And when we are called children, and Jesus is talking about children, listen to how God sees children. Matthew 18, and at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What an interesting thing. They're having some big dialogue about who's the most important. They're distracted with things that don't matter. They're pursuing their ego. They're pursuing their, maybe their, even just their own insecurities of feeling better about themselves. I can relate to this as a parent where you can get distracted by so many other things, but the most valuable things is right there in front of you. And so they're having this discussion, who's the most important? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, meaning you're going to have to change the way you approach what is valuable, and be like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, just to put it into context here, in this day and age, children were not looked at like they are now. Not everybody got a trophy back then. They did not. It was a different time. Children were uh, uh, necessary to continue 
even some property or just to uh, continue the legacy or continue building their tribe. This was said about an observer historically that children were uh, seen but not heard. So this is very unusual what happens here when Jesus says, you need to think the way this child thinks if you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven while they're arguing with their egos. Jesus is saying, be more like this. And he highlights a child, which people didn't do then, as something to aspire to. And I think it's valuable to point that out. Luke 18 is another example where this time parents are bringing children to Jesus to bless their children. And the disciples are, are, are furious. They begin to rebuke the people. And Jesus holds them as like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let these kids come to me. And then he does a similar speech to the disciples then. Now, what's interesting is that the disciples are stopping him from bringing the children because their mind is, Jesus, there's much more important things to do than bless these children. And they don't get it. And Jesus says, this is the most important thing. Investing and blessing these children matters. You can get caught up in all these other things, but these children matter and they are valuable to me. I think it's important that we too see that Jesus valued children and that they are more important than you fill in the blank. They are more important than the things we strive for. They are more important than that project or that hobby. You know, not that they should go away. I'm not saying that. But we have to look at where we prioritize things. We can't just Instagram post that we're a good parent and not be a good parent. Do you know what I'm saying? We can't just curate this good parent mentality and actually not do it. We have to get the most important priorities at the top. Henry Cloud said this, leave your pride. He's a great author, by the way, Dr. Henry Cloud. And he said, leave your pride, ego, narcissism somewhere else. Reactions from those parts of you will reinforce your children's most primitive fears. We, the more we take our eye off the ball of the household, and, and now just speaking of children, some of you may not have them. Some of you may, may be already out of the house, and I don't want you to look back and go, why didn't I do it this way? I'm just speaking generally about households and how to encourage households within the church and beyond. Is that what Henry Cloud said is true. There are so many things that we can get caught up with, distracted with, and lose sight of what God ordained as this valuable thing that he wants to see happen that matters to him a lot. Proverbs, I love this, Proverbs 23, 15. The psalmist writes Proverbs in a way, if you look at how it's written, it's almost like a, son, a father to a son, but really it's almost, it's like a father to a nation in a way, so how, how the readers would have read it. But it has this father language, son, let me instruct you in the way that you should go. And he says this, my child, if your heart is wise, then my heart too will be happy. That's the mentality of a parent. If you're wise, if I've, if, I, if I've invested and put the time and energy and the impression was good for you and you become wise, then I am happy. I love it when a player becomes a great coach, don't you? And then when you ask them, what did you love doing more, playing or coaching? Most of them will say, I loved coaching. I loved seeing other people become better. That's the mentality that God has for parents who have children. Billy Graham 
said this, the greatest legacy one can pass to one's child and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather the legacy of character and faith. That is how you will live on. You will not live on through a property. And sometimes, sadly, that becomes the focus. It's just about the material and making sure they get set up so that they they don't have to experience hardships financially. And that's all good and responsible. But the legacy of character and faith is the most important investment in their life, like the psalmist said. And by the way, Solomon, who was the wealthiest person the world may have ever known, probably more wealthier wealthier contextually than Jeff Bezos. I know, shocking. But he had everything. And here's the advice he gives them, which is, my child, if you become wise, I, I will be happy about that. And then you look at, so you have children. This is how parents should see their children for the dynamic of the household to be healthy and thrive. And then you have the bride. I'm calling the, I'm using these terms because this is how the body of Christ has been referred to in the Bible, the bride. But when we look at it, when it comes to our spouse, our wife, I'm not going to speak necessarily about how great your wife is. I'm going to try to just talk to guys the way biblically we're instructed to think about our spouse. And they're to be valued, honored, cherished, and loved. And you know what? Sometimes our spouses aren't, um, you know, cherishable sometimes. And sometimes they're, it's hard to love sometimes in that way. But that's just love. That's commitment in a way. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 is the whole verse, but let me read this part to husbands. You've heard it in probably a million weddings. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, why that is so important, that is what's stressed, is that to husbands, to love like Christ loved the church, meaning that if you're going to have to sacrifice time that you want for yourself to grow more, to be a better husband, then you have to do it. That's what Christ did for the church. He gave everything for the church. We cannot lose sight of that. Gil, St- uh, uh, sorry, um, Stelligs, well, I can't even get that guy's name right, because uh, he wrote this, um, Becoming a Godly Husband. He said, the most significant thing that a husband can give his wife is honor or value. No other quality Uh, um, possession or activity will ensure a good marriage honor and value it's important sorry how husbands view and support their spouse and um, to stabilize and strengthen the family unit proverbs 31 10 now i always hear proverbs 31 10 is like a list of all these attributes that a wife should strive for but really i would love you to read it maybe just with a little different eye. Not necessarily, this isn't an instruction for how to be a good wife. I think we kind of get off on trails on that. Proverbs 31 is the the, um, teacher is instructing, like when you see a wife and he's acknowledging all these things that are just 
uh, uh, unbelievably helpful to the home, unbelievably helpful to the home, especially in that context, in that day. So, so just after taking care of the family and making sure the family is good and making sure the husband is loved and making sure that all of these things, all of these details are being handled, he's saying, wow, it's amazing the capacity of this spouse that you will have, value and honor that. It's like if you were to make a list of all the amazing things that are unseen that your wife does and read that list off and said, how do you do it all? That's exactly what that passage is really about. Proverbs 31, and, and he says this, an excellent wife who, uh, sorry, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. God, I think, expresses how much the church means to him by calling the church his bride. It is worth everything. And then the husband is part of this household. The husband, I think, there's a lot of things we could teach about the husband, but I want to teach from a maybe a wife's or a spouse's perspective to their husband. And I would say this, as you see it scripturally, to be loved, to be cared for, and to be counted on. You know, to, it, we could get caught up all day long in what respect is. I think respect is definitely earned. But at the end of the day, to be counted on, I think, fills the tank of a husband knowing that his spouse counts on him. And feels that, wow, they, they, they trust me, they believe in me. It strengthens the husband so much. The, uh, there's this great verse. And usually when we read about husbands, how wives are, are seeing their husbands, we'll read them in uh, Ephesians and Corinthians. But in our men's study, we read this verse, and it didn't come up in our men's discussion that we have on Tuesday mornings here, but this verse came to me. And it's one of the best expressions of, of an encouragement. Now, I am not a wife. So I, I can't really pretend to try to instruct you how to be a wife at all towards your husband or think about him. But in a weird way, John the Baptist talks about how a bride should and can see her husband because he's talking about Jesus. His disciples come to John and they're like, dude, John, Jesus, that guy you just baptized He's like taking all of our people. That's what they're essentially saying to him. And uh, are you okay with that? And this is what John says. John the Baptist, 329 in, in, in the book of John. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. It says, the friends of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice, right? And therefore, this joy of mine is also in this celebration of this husband who is has his bride and it's full of joy and it's they're heard and they hear the voice and everyone celebrates it's it, it's amazing when you can cheer your husband on and you can encourage your spouse what it will do versus looking always for the false now if they're there they should be talked about but to st stabilize the home, it's important to do it through affirmation and encouragement. Husbands thrive when they have won their wife's respect and appreciation. They thrive. They do. But I will say this. This is a very interesting thing here. 
Milton Berlin, uh, Burley, he is a famous like TV show comedian, and he said this, and husbands, you should know this. I feel like I need to give husbands this advice, and this quote seems very real. A good wife always forgives her husband when she's wrong, and I think that <laughs> is such a good thing to know. The last part, and we'll wrap up, is the family. So we have the wife, we have the bride, we have the husband. Let's talk about the family. We have the children, and they make this unit, this team that God is for and not against. The household is definitely God's design. The stability of the first century church grew out of the stability of households. That's why there was so much care in stabilizing the household and ordering the households and encouraging the households. And the church flourished through the stability of the households. And that we must remember not to neglect its value that God placed on it. We must, we must really ultimately equally value it. It's worth fighting for. It's worth protecting. It's worth strengthening. It's everything, I would say, outside of our faith that God has commissioned us to be about. 1 Timothy 5.8, But if someone doesn't provide for their own family, and especially for a member of their own household, they have denied the faith. Oof. They are worse than those who have no faith. This is a really strong statement. And we can take this contextually and say, oh, they're talking about food or money. But this, I think, goes way beyond that. It's a value. How can we be looking to everything else and watch our own family members starve if it's emotionally at home? How can we look at everything else and feel good when those within our own home are suffering yet we do nothing? And he's saying, wow, that's worse than not even having faith. To me, I think it's a strong statement, but hopefully it grounds some of us that, wait, wait, we could, let's tune these distractions out. What's going on at home? And let's tune into there. How can we just pretend nothing is happening? And how can we not invest everything we got into this home? I would say scripture seems to have five ingredients. I'm not going through them all, just list them. Ingredients for a loving household. When you look about the household being talked about, about the household of God being talked about, these five things always seem to exist in some way. Love thrives a household. Trust makes a household thrive. When there's trust in the home, the home is safe. When there's not trust in the home, the home will collapse. Unity. It's constantly about the church household to have be in unity, and it's the exact same thing for our own home, to strive to find unity. Look at all the instructions about unity when it comes to the church. If we could apply those to our own home, we would, we would attain unity. Faith is a big part of the household structure and the household stability, and then respect, respecting each other as we would want to be treated essentially in our life. Last verse, and we'll pray. Psalm 133.1. Look at how good and pleasing it is when a family lives together as one. It's just an observation of how wonderful it is when a family lives together as one. Now I understand that not everybody came from a home like that. I understand that maybe some of us, our home wasn't like that, even ours that we established. I, I want to teach this message to encourage those who need it. And maybe to tell you that even though that might not have been your case, that you are in God's household. 
You're his. You're his child. He cares deeply about you, even in what maybe you lacked growing in your household or experienced in your relationship. He cares so deeply for us and for those who currently have a household, and it's yours. Look at it how God looks at his household. And let's strive, 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 strive to grow and strengthen our families. So God, we love you. We thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy. You are a good God. And God, I thank you that you allow us to call you Father. And you call us your children. And you are continually trying to imprint values in our life. And you're inviting us to experience the fruit of those values. You're continually inviting us into character that is godly character and to experience the fruit of that character. And God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us as human beings to be a part of a home, to have a place to call home, to have relationships, and to feel what you intend for those relationships. God, give each one of us in here if it's recovering from a broken home or a struggling home that was very difficult or a relationship, give us the strength to overcome some of the pain and the love and care you give us as you heal the brokenhearted. And God, for those who have are currently in a household or will have one themselves, God, give them the strength, the wisdom, the patience, the humility that it takes to be in a household and to establish it for you. We love you. God, pray for the homes of Soundhouse. Pray for the families of Soundhouse. And I pray for every individual of Soundhouse, God, that you strengthen and establish us in your household more and more and more and that we can be a support to other households in this church celebrating and cheering a miracle you have given the human race. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this last song?